Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day and welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your love for me, your death and resurrection on the cross were the ultimate sacrifice for me and for all of humanity. Help me to never take for granted the love you have given to us. Help us to see your love as a motivator to lay down our lives for you and those around us. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I hope you had a wonderful solemnity yesterday of uh, the Blessed Virgin's Mary's Assumption into Heaven, Body, and Soul. Today I'm going to go backwards to Monday because I wanted to touch on uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe because he is a rather uh, interesting and extraordinary saint. Now, when you think about the mandate that Jesus gave us uh, about laying down our lives and then he frequently followed up with, you know, reasons why we should do this. But in John 15, 13, he said, greater love than this no man has, that a man laid down his life for his friends. So this is true, but you have to ask yourself, well, who is my friend? And when you think of it in terms of the way we think of friends, we think of friends as those who we get along with, the people we hang around with, the people we go to dinner with, the people we like to be with, those are our friends. But Jesus's definition of friend really is everybody. Anybody we come in contact with is our friend. So it's really lay down your life for anybody. Now, <clears throat> Maximilian Kolbe certainly would have known this scripture passage, being a priest. Um, and it's not surprising to read <clears throat> that these were the opening words of the papal de decree introducing his beatification. Now, just a little reminder of what happened. Uh, he was arrested in Poland in February of 1941, and then in May sent to Auschwitz, the death camp. His prisoner number was 16670 for those who are into numbers. And he eventually laid down his life for another prisoner on August 14th, 1941. He was just 47 years old. So a prisoner had escaped uh, in late July of that year, and as a penalty, 10 men from his barracks were picked to suffer death by starvation as both a punishment but also a deterrent that no one would try to escape in the future. And Father Maximilian offered to take the place of one of the men. Now, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce this guy's name. It's a very... Uh, Polish name with a lot of Z's and K's, but um, let's call him Frank. So Frank had let out this cry of pain for his family when he was picked, and uh, this motivated uh, Maximilian to step forward and take the man's place. Now, you have to realize what happened in the following weeks was really unimaginable. Um, what they did is they would take these men and stuff them into a a, a cell that's about three by three. So they're literally pressed up against each other. You can't move. Think about relieving yourself when you have to go to the bathroom. It's all just, you know, you're right there. You can't go anywhere. Um, fear would be settling in on some people. 
and then they would go into panic and you can't go anywhere and that would create panic in the other man. You can imagine the, the torment. But it really didn't happen with this group because they were singing praises of God. And that was inspired by Father Colby. So he was ministering to these men even in their final moments in life. Uh, suffering, the basic premise was they would die by starvation and dehydration. So really a horrible way to go. Um, and then it was finally on uh, August 14th, 1941, uh, that he was injected with carbolic acid and he died. So let's go back and look at how, do, how did somebody get to this point in their life where they could lay down their life for uh, not even a well, a friend, but a friend by Jesus' definition, as anyone who you encounter. So he was, um, his birth name was Raymond Colby, and he, uh, as I mentioned on Monday, was a very spirited child. And when he was just uh, 12 years old, Our Lady appeared to him uh, holding a white crown and a red crown, and he later related uh, personally that she said that um, she had asked if I was willing to accept either of these crowns. The white one was explained to mean perseverance and purity and the red that he would become a martyr. And he said he would like them both. So, you know, other than this, he had a fairly normal childhood, but he always wanted to be a soldier. And I think this is probably common among boys. They want to be soldiers and, uh, cowboys and uh, policemen and firemen, uh, there's an inherent desire to rescue and defend in, in men. So this was his focus as a young man. And then very quickly, uh, he be having a heart for the Franciscans and became a Franciscan. Um, he was uh, remarkable in his um, intelligence. He was a highly intelligent man, um, but never lorded it over others and uh, never thought of it as um, he was better than anybody else. He, he just simply used his intelligence to further the mission of God, particularly through Our Lady. And it was in the friary of the Franciscans where he really developed this sense of great community with his fellow uh, priests and brothers. You know, when he um, went off uh, spreading the gospel and promoting Catholic doctrine, um, he always would speak of Our Lady. It was nearly never a, a homily or a, uh, a mission where he wouldn't bring up the Blessed Virgin Mary because uh, he knew that they had to, they had a view that the cultivating uh, the need for conversion and the sanctification of souls would would be much more effective and, frankly, uh, faster if he had the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, invoked on his missions. And, of course, he was correct. And so this was the focus of his life, uh, to do all for the glory of God, uh, holding the hand of Our Lady. And he really did that right up to the end. And didn't she reward him by having um, his uh, execution would occur in, in the vigil going into her Feast of the Assumption? 
Now, when you think of uh, becoming somebody that could lay down their life for somebody else, what do we actually think of when we hear that? If you're, at, if somebody says to you, "Would you lay down your life for a friend?" What would you do? Now, if the person to be saved was a family member, perhaps we'd be more readily to exchange places, although pro- probably not always. I mean, I would imagine many people would say, well, why should I trade places with you? Um, I'm younger. I mean, I have I have less life lived or whatever. There's many reasons you could come up with. Or we might agree if it was a friend, you know, somebody that we were close friends with. Some friendships are very uh, strong. But the, the question gets more uh, strange and odd when it's a stranger or just a casual acquaintance, like your mailman or maybe the gas station attendant or the checkout lady at Kroger. Would you lay your life down for them? Most people, I would venture to guess, would not be, would probably not do it. Now, let's go one step further. But who would lay down their life for somebody who was an enemy Somebody that is uh, has demonstrably tried to hurt you. I would guess probably nobody. Now, now we have to think about what Jesus did because what Jesus did is uh, remarkably different. Um, scripture tells us that it's rare that anyone would die for a good and righteous man, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. He died for Barabbas, who, by the way, his name means uh, son of the father. It was almost a mockery of Jesus. We have all sinned and become ungodly in some degree or another. And Jesus did much more than die for family and friends. He died for the ungodly. He died for his enemies. He forgave his enemies right at the moment of his death on the cross. And scripture says that human beings have a mind that makes them enemies of God. That's Colossians 1.21. So Jesus did not merely die for one enemy named Barabbas, but for the whole Barabbas race. He exchanged his place for all our fatal places. We were all doomed before he came. So this is the perspective uh, I want you to think about. Often we tend to overestimate our love for Jesus. I mean, we have to be honest about this. If, if it happened to Peter, it could happen to anybody. Jesus told his disciples, you are my friends, right? And just after declaring that a true friend would lay down his life for his friends, Jesus demonstra- demonstrates his friendship by dying not just for his friends, but also his worst enemies. And now he asks us, are you my friend? Will you lay down your life for me? It gets harder, right? Because we should be able to lay down our life for Jesus because he already did it for us. So there should be no excuse why you wouldn't. And yet people, as fallen creatures, we cling to what we have. Now, Peter, let's remember Peter. He confidently declares he would do so. He would do this. But Jesus knows Peter's weak and impulsive. And he asks him, will you really lay down your life for me? And uh, we know that the subsequent failure helped Peter to step towards maturity and to be restored to a new level of discipleship. So God can bring good out of everything. We, we, but we need to be humble and contrite. 
when we don't live up to his expectations. Now, the early martyrs of the church, actually all the martyrs, I would say, they laid down their lives. We know that uh, the monks that went into the desert were give, laying down their lives by giving up everything. Uh, St. Benedict, you know, gave it all up. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Clair. Many, many, many people throughout uh, time and history have laid down their lives uh, in, in various ways to love Jesus. Think of the missionaries, the Jesuits, who went off to the uh, Latin America, South American countries and were routinely uh, martyred. And they'd send a new a new troop in right after that to do the same thing until eventually these these cultures were uh, made aware of the great blessing of becoming uh, a Catholic. So when Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, and the great uh, apostle Paul was willing to exchange blessings for curses for the sake of his fellow Jews, if that were possible. Um, the way of the cross is paved with such self-giving love found in Christ who wants to live in us and through us. That's the only way we're going to lay down our life for our friends, meaning everyone, is if Jesus is living in you and through you and operating within your heart, mind, body, soul, and being. Because on our own, we would never lay down our life for even the people we love. It's just we're that, we're that selfish. So it goes now deeper into, let's go into this concept of, you know, who is my friend? Jesus gave everything to his friends. He gave his knowledge of God and he gave his own life. He gave his mother, then he sent his spirit. He held nothing back. And this is our model for friendship because he loved without limits. And he makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship because we have been transformed by everything he has shared with us, all those things I just mentioned. So if we're fully operating as well-formed Catholics, well-formed Christians, and we know the love of God, we know the great sacrifice of Jesus, we know that Jesus is our brother and our friend. We know that we have his mother interceding for us and watching over us. We know that we have his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and lead us and inspire us. We even have a guardian angel to protect us and move us in the right directions if we're open to all these things operating effectively in and around us. What have you got to lose? Nothing. So the, the great question is, how do we do it? And the way we do it is to surrender everything into God's hands and hold nothing back. And that means I'm not going to push for what I want. I'm going to um, kind of surrender to what uh, God's doing in and around me. Sometimes we think he's lost control. God does not have control of this world anymore. Do you think that? Some people do. Some people are looking at the times we're in. I hear it in the confessional often. I don't think God is any longer caring about what's happening to us. No, that's not true at all. You don't understand how God operates, I would say. Uh, sometimes when children misbehave, they need to be reprimanded, and there needs to be a little bit of a punishment to let them know that's not acceptable. So when you think about what's been going on in the last 50 to 100 years around the world, particularly in the West, particularly in the United States, and all the horrific things we've done, even by law, 
you know, the execution of children in the womb, among so many hundreds of other things, the pornography, the rampant um, disregard for the Lord, all the way up to a outward hatred of God. Um, how could we expect a loving God to permit that and let everyone go to hell? Why would he permit that and let everyone go to hell? You know, in his justice, he probably would have every right. But in his great love and mercy, he will allow suffering to get people's attention and turn back to him. He's done this over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. I don't know how people are unaware of this or they forget about it. They lose sight of it. When the Jews strayed and he gave them permission to stray, even their kings and their leaders went off the wacky road into worshiping Baals and Malak and all sorts of crazy things, sacrificing children to these false gods, worshiping uh, in the, in the, on the mountains of the foreign gods, the idolatry that was so offensive to God, and he would let them do it. But then he would let them be conquered by foreign nations. He would let, let plagues come, pestilence, uh, because when God takes his hands off, the enemy moves in and creates complete and utter chaos and havoc. And that is what we're seeing right now. And trust me, it's going to get worse because I see no repentance coming from this country or its leaders. We have a, a person in control of the country. Oh, maybe we don't. Who knows? The person allegedly who's president of this country doesn't seem to have much of a care about anything. He spends a lot of time sitting in a beach chair when one of our states is burning in a way that's never happened. The worst uh, loss of life in Hawaii's history from uh, a natural event like such as this, I guess documented from fires. I don't know. How can this be? We've sent 75 million billion with a B dollars to the Ukraine and he wants this past Thursday, he wants to send $40 billion more. But, you know, up until yesterday, no talk of helping our own state of Hawaii. And on and on and on. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Don't get me started. Um, so when our actions reflect uh, that of the children of Lucifer, get ready because the smackdown is coming. You know, because the devil hates humanity. Don't ever be deceived thinking the devil's trying to help you. Uh, I've heard this so many times from people who show up because they now have a demonic problem and it all started with the words, well, the, the demon or the witchcraft, um, I thought I was in control of it. And, you know, they were working for me. And then all of a sudden I was a slave to them. It's always the way. And we're going to see something shifting um, that God will allow uh, things to go awry as they've been going for quite some time now to let people know this is not his way. This is not his kingdom. This is not his kingdom rules. And the longer we have to watch this occur, the worse it will become. It's just it's like a, a big rock going down a hill. It just keeps gathering momentum and, and ferocity. So you need to be praying, as I do every day, for the conversion of America, because the way America goes, so goes the world. That's simply the way it is. And the faster we can repent as a country, um, the faster things will get better. But truly, if the Blessed Virgin Mary has been appearing for 42 years daily, uh, trying to bring humanity back to her son, uh, certainly heaven does have a plan. Don't lose sight of that. 
don't lose sight of the fact that heaven always has a plan and heaven uh, knows what it's doing. God is on the throne and he knows what he's doing. So don't lose sight of that. Uh, we have to know that he sees everything. He lives uh, with us. He is uh, with us through his spirit in, in everybody. He's surrounding all of us with his love in his uh, watchful eye. I would say like the Lion of Judah. He's always right there. Panting by your side for those who love him, watching and, and uh, guiding the, the way your life is going. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have uh, trials and, tr and tribulations because those are the actual things that when we unite them to his cross, save souls. That's the thing he's most interested in doing is saving people's souls. But our perspective is so limited. And I understand that people have so many questions when things seem to be going so wrong. But you have to know that in every moment, there is an opportunity to shift everything that's around you by simply uniting to him. This is why the word of God speaks about the importance of prayer and that um, the, the person who is united to Jesus and prays much is doing much for his kingdom. Remember, prayer is simply communicating with God. In each aspect of your uh, time you're going through in your daily routine, it's an open channel through which you can be counseled, through which you can be uplifted, and even, you know, corrected when you're off base. And every time you choose life and not death in your thoughts, when you choose to bless and not curse with your words and actions, you're shifting the paradigm of reality around you. You may not see it. But it's happening. This is so pleasing to God. You know, it's always the hidden ways we can do things that no one else knows about. Don't look for people to pat you on the back. Just do what you have to do and shift the paradigm around you. Every time you die to yourself and put others' needs ahead of yours, you're laying down your life for your friend, for your brother. And in doing that, you're going to grow in your maturity and you're showing others how God loves them. He's loving them through you. And don't forget, when we praise God, instead of complaining when we have to suffer, we're glorifying him. You're giving glory to God. Think about that. Praising God, instead of complaining when things aren't going your way, you're glorifying God. And it's very pleasing to him. He's smiling upon you when you can do that. And you can do that, but you have to be intentional and make a decision to do that. Every time you lay down your burdens and give everything to Jesus in full surrender, you're being faithful to him. And each time you kind of throw your, your cares, your worries, your anxieties over to Jesus, he says he will give your soul rest. Remember, he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. These are the things we have to remember. You should maybe be if, if it's difficult for you to remember these things when you're watching the world fall apart, uh, write them down and stick them, tape them on your bathroom mirror. So the first thing you see in the morning is all these truths about God and his love and his power and the way he is manifesting himself into your life. Now, let's go a step further. So every time you seek God's face with all your heart, do you know how powerfully he moves his presence into that place where you are. Um, every time you seek his face with all your heart, he will move powerfully 
to manifest his presence into your place where you are. Now, sometimes you'll be aware. Most of the time, you will not be aware. But he is moving. He's on the move, just like his mother. She's moving in haste now. And he's in the very basic moments of your life, the very basic moments of all the things you have to do every day. He's there. Remember, he's the great I am. He's 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 always and everything. He exists amongst all. And every time you give up control of your destiny, he will lead you to an outcome and on a path that fulfills your purpose in this world. Every time you give up control of your destiny, he will lead you to an outcome and a path which fulfills your purpose in this world. Isn't that amazing? But how many people let him do that? You know, it's probably not as many as he would hope. And let's go back to faith because it's impossible to please God without faith. That's right out of the scriptures. So every time we have faith and we believe in God's word, when we declare his word, it is activated around you. I tell people all the time, one of the greatest things you can say when you're in a moment of chaos and confusion and violence or whatever is happening that seems bad, just say, let there be light, Lord, and you'll see things change. Let there be light. That's scriptural, and that's going right to the Father through the power of the word and the operation of his spirit. Let there be light. We need to be calling that forth all over the world. Whenever you go into a new situation, whenever you get into the car, whenever you go into a new uh, a new part of your day, stepping out into the Kroger or going to the post office, let there be light here. Bring forth God's light everywhere. You can make a difference. You can change the world. Now, just remember, he's he allows an evil for a season to bring about a greater good and purpose. And we can all be parts of this great good and purpose. Continue to do your part. Bring forth that light wherever you go. Be aware of his presence. If we had Jesus walking with us in bodily form, we would be different people. We would be different people. Think about it. If he, if you could see Jesus right next to you all day long, well, you'd be doing things differently. You'd be consulting him a lot more. Probably every minute you'd be looking to him saying, what do you think about this? What should we do? Uh, but he is with you. You just can't see him. So be intentional. Start making an effort to realize he's with me right now, right here in this very moment. And remember, he is the commander in chief. He is the leader. The head of the body of Christ is Jesus. And he is strong and he is mighty. And his reign is coming. His reign is coming. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's coming. Hold on for it. But in the meantime, break it open in your little part of the world. Let there be light and let Jesus reign where you are today. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.